So we're uh, finishing off our series on family matters this morning, and uh, I'm reading from Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 and starting at verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So you remember when you were a kid, and there was that sense of wonder at the world, and everything was new and fresh, and uh, if you've ever been with a small child, you kind of look at the world through their eyes and you go, man, everything's new and, and nothing's twisted or jaded at that point uh, for, for many children. And so there's this sense of innocence and wonder. But when you were a kid, if you've forgotten this part, there was also the sense that somebody else was making a lot of your choices for you whether it was teachers or parents or even older siblings, anybody seemed to be able to tell you what to do, right? And that's not the fun part of childhood. They tell you, you can't do that. You've got to do this first. Uh, maybe when you're older, when you've, ha uh, you've had enough right now, you better stop. It's time to go home. It's time to practice the piano. It's dinner time. It's homework time. It's bedtime. It's time to get up for school. And the list goes on and on. Clean your room, clean your plate, stand up, don't slouch. I wish I'd listen to that one. Speak up, eat up, but don't talk with your mouth full. There's all kinds of rules, all kinds of directions, all kinds of instructions. And, uh, and you kind of feel a lot of the times as a kid, it's like, ah, do I have to? Like, does that sound familiar to you? You recognize that attitude? It's one of the things that, right or wrong, we always thought as kids. We thought that all these rules, somebody always telling me what to do, but when I'm a grown-up, I'm going to do what I want when I want. I'm going to make all the decisions, and I'm not going to have to do anything that anybody else says. I'm not going to have any list of you have to this and you have to that. How's that working out for you, adults? Like, is that the way it is? Or is it funny enough that you find there's still this list of have-tos that you're not sure about and you're not sure where they came from and you didn't recognize it as a kid, but now there's this list of things that you feel compelled to do. And, and sometimes it's you really have to and sometimes it's just, well, <clears throat> considering this and that or, or because of some other choices I've made, I have to go here. I have to do that. I have to get this done first. I have to do it in this order or in this priority. And it's not all what we want to do, right? 
It's not the list of things and the absolute freedom that we imagined. And so sometimes we can walk around from childhood on feeling like there's rules and there's expectations and there's pressures and there's stuff we have to do. And even if you kind of feel like you're, there's a choice, you still feel like, well, there's sort of a choice, but there's consequences. And that kind of takes away the joy of kind of doing what you want. Paul starts off this passage. He's writing uh, to the church in Rome. He's never been there. This isn't like the other letters that he writes where he's writing to a church that maybe he even started, where he had told them about Jesus and that was their first contact. This is a church he's never visited. He don't, it doesn't really know these people, but he's trying to give them the basics of the faith. And here he says something, if you were paying attention earlier, the very first line is kind of weird. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Think about that for a minute. Dear brothers and sisters, you've got no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. This just in, good to know, I don't have to sin. That's a weird thing to say. For, for many people, that kind of sounds like, you know, you don't have to have dessert. Right? Like you don't have to. Nobody's forcing you to. And Paul's saying it like you don't have to sin. But, but isn't sin some things that are kind of fun? Aren't they things that are, are, are not that bad? And, and you know, uh, it's, it's something that we do, yeah, and it's maybe not the best, and we kind of shouldn't, but it's kind of like dessert, right? You just... Not really that bad. A little bad for me, but oh well. Christians aren't perfect. We're just forgiven, right? So it's okay. And if we look at it that way, it's kind of an odd thing for Paul to say. It's, he's saying you really shouldn't, uh, but it would make more sense if he said something different. And so he says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. But then he goes on to say, for if you live by its dictates, if you live by your sinful nature's dictates, if you do that, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. So he's saying, you have this sin nature, and and you don't have to keep doing what it tells you to do, but you should also know that there's kind of consequences. Like, If you live by the dictates of the sinful nature, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. And he pits the sin nature against being Spirit-led. And he goes, you can choose one or the other. Like, Like you can go this way or you can go that way. You can listen to one voice or you can listen to the other voice. You can make an A or B decision here. And there's consequences for it. And and so he says, you know, you choose. You give in to sin or, or, you, or you get led by the Spirit. One or the other is going to rule you. One or the other is going to have the last say. But he says one is kind of destructive, self-destructive, and one leads to life. It's kind of like Bob Dylan said back in the day, you've got to serve somebody, right? 
may be the devil or it may be the Lord. You can follow sin or you can follow the spirit, but there's kind of no way in between them. But just in case you hear that, and and, uh, if you can go back to the verse there, Chris. uh, So the verse is, if you live by the dictates, uh, by the dictates of the sinful nature, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. That kind of sounds like a threat, doesn't it? Like if you're tempted to hear it that way, if you hear it and say, what are you saying? If I sin... I'm going to be punished with death. But if I do what you tell me to do, if I do the right thing and listen to the Spirit, I'll get to live. It sounds like like God is kind of threatening you. But if you're tempted to take that life and death thing as a threat, then listen to the next verse. As he continues, he says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of fear. Sorry. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. That puts a new twist on it, right? Because if you take it as a threat, you'd think, well, what are threats supposed to do? They're supposed to make you scared, right? You're supposed to hear the threat. If you do that, the punishment is coming. If you sin, I'll kill you. That's, That's what it sounds almost like it's saying. But obviously that's not what he means because in the next breath he says, for all who are led by the Spirit are children of God, but all, but, but you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. So you aren't supposed to be scared. You're not supposed to feel like a slave that has to do it or else. So whatever else he means, Paul doesn't mean that God is threatening you, that he's going to kill you. He's going to punish you with death if you sin, and he's going to allow you to live if you don't. And so that sin nature is pitted against spirit-led, and it brings a fearful slave is contrasted with being a child of God. And so now there's kind of something developing here. So the sin nature, it isn't just that it leads to death. It's that it it makes you a fearful slave. And it's not just that the spirit of God, being spirit-led, leads to life. It means that you're a child of God. And so you're not a slave, you're a child of God. And so that puts a new spin on it. And so it's the opposite of being scared. It's actually something that makes you secure like a child rather than a slave. In ancient times, a slave really had no status in the, in the household. They had to be in order not to get beaten. But a child had status. A child was an heir. And so there might be rules for them, but, but they had worth. They had value in the household. And so even for people who weren't believers... Slaves and children had totally different ways of living their lives, and it might have felt the same at some moments, but it definitely wasn't the same thing. And so he wants us not to be fearful. And he wants us not to walk around like we're runaway slaves that better be good or else because we're scared to death to do the wrong thing. For he, he says... 
you have the security of knowing that you're, you're God's child, that, that he wants you to feel safe and he wants you to feel free. Not fearful, not a slave, but free and safe as a child of God. You're not a fearful slave. And then he goes on to say, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. He says, instead of walking around wondering where you stand, wondering whether you're a slave or a child, wondering whether you're free or you're you're not, wondering where you stand with God, he says that that kind of insecurity of having to prove yourself is not what he wants for you because you are his dearly loved child and you call him Abba, Father. Nearest translation to Abba is like Dad. And he says, that's what we call him. He's our father. It's not that we're so familiar with him that we go, oh, it's no, he's no big deal. But, but, but the amazing thing is that he treats us as his child. And I will confess, I've been with people in, uh, in groups where they prayed and they prayed and they either called God dad or daddy. And I got, it, it was like, this is weird. I've never heard this before. It feels foreign. It feels like somehow wrong. But there's something that Paul wants to communicate here that's something along those lines, that he is our father and that he loves us like the familiar father, the affectionate father that he is. He's like our dad. And so he says, we call him Abba, Father, for for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. Like it tells us who we are and tells us our status and tells us where we stand with them. And we're not supposed to be cowering slaves, worrying about whether we, we are getting it right or not. But we are supposed to know that we're his kids. And that he loves us like that. He's our loving father. We should feel the security of knowing that. And not only that, but Paul says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And you get the picture that's developing here? We start off with this idea that the sin nature is pitted against, uh, against the, the sinful nature is pitted against the spirit of God. And we got a choice to be led by one or the other. And, and that they're both at work in us. But then he goes on to say, look, it's not like you're fearful slaves. Like this leads to death, but don't take it as a threat. This leads to life, but, but that's not like a you know, it's not part of this duality that's, that's supposed to scare you into submission. You're not a slave kind of following because you're afraid of getting beaten. You're a child of God. And so in that context, it makes it a little difficult to understand that original affirmation because if we walk around feeling like a child of God and feeling safe and secure, it, what does it mean to say to us, that you have no obligation to your sinful nature. That you don't have to give in to it. But I thought we were forgiven. I thought we were children. I thought we, we were the kids who could get away with stuff. And 
But as the picture pulls together and as we start to understand something, you need to understand that for Paul, sin is not like dessert. Sin is like heroin. And so when he tells us, you don't have to do that, he's pulling us away from our addiction to self-destructive behavior. No one here, if someone they love said, you know, I'm thinking of taking up heroin. Want to come join me? What would our reaction be? We'd be like, no, don't do that. That's not a good idea. It may sound like it'll feel good, but it's totally destructive. It'll ruin you. It'll wreck your life. Don't go there. Don't make that decision. Don't fall prey to that. Find another way. Make another choice. Get a different way to cope with your stresses. And we'd say it with all sincerity because we know heroin destroys people. And so when we look at sin like dessert, like it's, it's bad, but it's not that bad. It's bad, but, but we can just get forgiven for it. Like it'll be okay in the end. You know, we'll go, oh, sorry, and we'll go to the gym or something. Maybe. We'll think about going to the gym. That'll make it better. But he goes, no, it's, it's like heroin. It's totally self-destructive. Sin will wreck you. And so when God tells us stuff that he wants us to do or he doesn't want us to do, it's not to spoil our fun. It's not because he's some kind of killjoy. It's because he knows that that will ruin us. It'll change who we are. It'll change our entire personality. It'll, it'll ruin everything that he's trying to do in us and for us to build us up into good people and the people that he wants us to be. And no parent wants their kid to get into heroin and no loving heavenly father wants his children to fall prey to sin because sin leads to death. It's not a punishment for sin. It's the natural consequence of sin. It comes with the territory. The sin itself kills. And so when he warns us away from it, He's not threatening us. He's just saying, please don't do that to yourself. And in that context, then it makes sense when Paul goes on to say, you don't have to do that. Like, don't, don't, you don't have to do that. You can stop any time. And the way to stop is to be spirit-led. You got a choice between the spiritual nature and your sin nature. And you don't have to listen to the sin nature anymore because it's trying to destroy you. And if you really want life, full life, abundant life, listen to the Spirit. And then you won't be a slave to sin because that's what sin does, like heroin. It wrecks you and it leads you down a path where you feel like you have less and less choices. But if you follow the Spirit of God... It leads to freedom. He's not meaning to enslave you to something. He's trying to free you from something. And so you're not a fearful slave. You're a child of God. You've got security. You've got uh, status because he's your father. And you're an heir to the promise of his glory. Like you're headed somewhere that's worth going. And you're inheriting something that's worth having. Your new self is standing with Jesus. And inheriting what Jesus inherits from the Father. 
And so he says, now we can call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And so suddenly he's going, if you've got to make a sacrifice, if there's suffering involved, if there's loss involved in the journey, understand that it's not just for the sake of it. It's not because he's cruel, but that when we suffer, if we suffer for him, if we suffer with Jesus, it's so that we can inherit his glory. And so that kind of suffering has meaning. That kind of suffering leads somewhere. It accomplishes something. It's not just pointless and random. And so he says, in that context, everything that happens to you, even the bad stuff, if it leads to God's glory, it's worth pursuing. And it's worth leaving behind what the sin nature is trying to talk you into doing. Don't fall for it because there is something so much better. Don't fall for dead ways when there's real life at stake. Let go of that and hold on to this. Let go of what that voice is telling you and listen to the Spirit of God. Let go of that identity as a trapped slave that can't do any better and just has to do whatever the forces of nature pull you along to do and the urges within you take you uh, to that place and, and, and listen to the voice of God telling you that you're his child and you're free and you can make free choices in him and you can inherit his glory and you can have an inheritance and you can know who you really are. And who you are is his. His child made in his image, following his son and listening for his spirit. And having life. Real life, full life, abundant life. So he says, you don't have to do that. You don't have to have that trapped life. You can have this instead. And so he beckons us to go in a direction that would tell us that we know who we are. And that nothing is more important in defining who you are than the fact that you are a child of God. And his voice stretches out through the centuries across time and distance and it makes the same invitation to us. You don't have to do that anymore. You can go here instead. You can be this instead. 